Phil. I'm going to have to go grab the bottle. You can go grab it quick. I'm going to go. Well, I'll see how this goes. Maybe maybe come rant. Then I'll fill it up to the top. Yeah. But All right. Well, uh, that could have been our intro there. So what's up, you dirtbags? Uh, as you heard, Luke didn't does not have the bottle with him, but he's got a full glass. We are back. Uh, it has been a little, little bit of a whirlwind. We missed our first episode in a while, but we're going to come back with the Q&A episode here. We've got a rant episode coming up like right after this as well. So uh, we're going to hit you guys with a lot of content. But Luke, how's it feel to uh, have internet? Dude, it feels great. I don't know what the hell the problem was, but it literally took a week to figure out. After they cut the cord, there wasn't anything getting like reception, but it worked on my phone. It just wouldn't connect to my computer. So I'm on the phone with Midco, our service provider, and then I'm on the phone with Apple, and they're both pointing fingers at each other like, yeah, just call them. It's their problem. No, ended up being Midco's problem. They fixed it. Good to go. Dude, I thought about it for a sec. Like, I thought about maybe just having you jump on your phone and doing a podcast, but that would have been so brutal. I, I just listened to that because that sound would have sucked. No. And I was like, well, maybe let's just wait till you get it figured out. So looks like you got it going uh, in the basement, new, uh, new setup, new backdrop yeah, there. Yeah. And we, uh, are, we moved a little out of town. Ryan and I did. We just recently closed. So we're finally all moved in and yeah, new setup. I gotta, I gotta get some shit on the walls and Obviously, I've got some shit on the floor still that'll get put away here eventually, but it's a, yeah. it's a process. Yeah, man. Congratulations on that. And uh, I mean, we got a lot to cover. Like I mentioned, we're going to do a Q&A episode here. I've got a lot of great questions sent in, so this makes it a whole lot easier. Um, but a couple things before we dive into that. Um, Dirtbags University uh, is Monday, October 16th, so it's coming up. Uh, we will have the registration open. A couple ways you can do that. You can go to our website, dirtbagspodcast.com, click Dirtbags University, and you can sign up there. Uh, or if you just click the link like on our Instagram, uh, you should be able to find it there. So um, we're talking about capitalizing on your online presence. Uh, we've got the man, Zach Baruli, coming in. Uh, he runs the Facebook page, um, Excavating and Estimating, and he is a Facebook ads expert that has run many excavation companies um done it all and uh it's gonna be fun to have him on be fun to hear his insight and kind of hear what he has to say because i've seen i'm not part of that facebook group anymore because i'm just i was getting kind of tired of all everybody asking what they should charge on things but there was some good value that i know like people got from him and on the classes and finding his true costs and things like that so it was it was cool to see that he was very willing to help yeah for sure and i'm excited too to um you know, I'll be jumping in on more so like the Google stuff and, and some SEO and website, but um, giving him the floor for the majority of the time, uh, just like any university, you know, we'll have the presentation for about 30 to 45 minutes. Uh, and then we open it up for questions after that, where we can bring you in and actually walk through the scenario yourself. Uh, but Luke, I'm excited too to even go a bit further and look at not just like Facebook ads and Google stuff, but like branding your company and also like attracting uh, potential employees and also attracting future brand deals like with bigger companies. And there's there's so much more that you can do with an asset that is a company uh, that people a lot of times don't even think of. And though and we talk about that all the time, but those start to come when you are able to kind of take a step back from your business. Yeah. Fun fact, Cole and I are actually implementing, um, the company's called The Greenhouse. And if you've ever heard of EOS, that's in the book Traction. 
we're implementing that because we need better systems. We need better communication throughout our systems. Um, Patrick Metzger, he's from Fargo. He's actually the guy that kind of implements it within your company. And so our first meeting here is, I think it's December 6th. And then we're going to get everything dialed and everything figured out, chain of command, looking forward to it because it, yeah, we, when you, you, we grew a lot and it kind of fucked us to where we're yeah. like, we got to figure it out. And so now we're at that point where it's like, okay, how do we give everybody the right tools? But on, a, on that tangent there, when you can remove yourself from your company, which that is meant to set up, you're able to find those opportunities. Like you had just mentioned, Luke. Dude, Patrick Metzger, that's my guy. So he's cool. Super yeah, nice. he, uh, I came across him years ago, um, because you know, he's out of Fargo and, uh, he has a PM logo as yeah. well. So I thought that was kind of funny. And then I think my dad knows him, but I honestly um, thought you and him like copied each other at first. Cause he was like one of my first LinkedIn follows. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. I, I don't know who had it first, honestly, but, um, I would say you did. Yeah, probably. Uh, but yeah, dude, uh, EOS, um, you know, I've talked about a little bit on the show, but we are implementing it as well. Uh, oh, so yeah. we, I'm currently going through traction and I think anyone that is reading the book traction, um, I'm reading it a totally different way. And I think it's how most people actually do read it very slow. Like I'm still like in chapter two. I'm like in chapter two still because there's so much to do outside of the book. Like, for example, it talks about your vision and like getting your core values established, but gives you a link to a worksheet that you can print off where you start going through those goals, those core values, your focus. So it's like a very slow read, but I kind of like it because it I'm a slow reader. So it uh, it doesn't make me feel as bad about myself that it's been six months and I'm on chapter two. Yeah, that one's a... It- it's a slow read in the sense of like, it's very slow moving and it's kind of boring unless you kind of like go through the process and then you can relate to a lot, a lot better. I feel like. Yeah. And you know, for anyone listening to it, so my company right now, we technically only have two employees, myself and Josie. Uh, we're about to hire on a third full time. Um, thank you. Yeah. We're excited. Uh, EOS typically recommends that the company's at about 10 to 250 employees, I think. But what I learned is that there are pieces of EOS you can still implement, even if you're by yourself. So as an example, like how to figure out your core values, like you could be a one man owner operator and still do that part. You can still figure out like, well, what are my values systems Mm -hmm. look like? And we just got our core values nailed down and I'm a marketing company and, you know, we didn't have core values for three and a half years. So um, it's never too late. And it's like, you know, just chip away at it and chip away at continuing to build an asset, you know, that is your business. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, if you start out, like you said, early on, you can implement that probably so much easier because you already know the process and you can help teach the people that come on board, like, Hey, this is our process. This is what we follow. Yeah. Good for you guys. Though. I mean, that's, that's a huge step, um, yeah. to pull your head kind of out of the water, um, especially at the stage you guys are at in business, but uh, yeah. How has everything been going in business and like any, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot you didn't expect, but like anything, anything crazy. Oh dude, it is a different company every week. Cole and I constantly tell each other that because there's so many changes. You get kicked in the dick so many times during the week. And it's just like, what else can come about? But at the same time, we constantly remind each other like, Hey, 
not the end of the world. We're going to figure it out. We have that no fail mentality and we just keep trudging forward. You know, there's, there's instances where we bought two semis, you know, two new semis this year, both of them need new engines. Wonderful. Okay. We bought a new heavy haul. Okay. The heavy haul is constantly needing work, pushing schedules back because now we got to hire out other people to move our equipment. You know, there's been a couple accidents that we've had on vehicles and it's just like, when is it going to end? But you have to look at yourself and be like, okay, it's not the end of the world. You know, we're still making progress. We're still trudging forward. Guys are still, you know, doing what we need to be doing. So that's, that's what you have to look at, but no, things are good. We're, um, we're anxious kind of for the end of the year. I know everyone's getting tired, which, you know, it is that time of season, but it's good, you know, yeah. So moving dirt and having fun. Yeah. When does, uh, is it usually like late November, December time? Yeah, usually like your first freeze up is kind of right around that Thanksgiving time. And I mean, realistically, we'll probably still do some digging in the winter just yeah. to stay on top of things. And it sucks, but there's like instances where you almost have to, to keep certain general contractors happy. They want to see forward progression, even yeah. if it costs them more in the winter, they need to see it, which is fine. It's just a little bit tougher on the equipment. You know, it takes more time and, you know, whatever. But guys still get their hours, you know, so. I see. When you say it costs them more in the winter, is that because it just takes longer to dig? It takes a lot longer and then your charges go up. Like there's like frost yeah. rippers. We got to get frost rippers. Those aren't the best on the machine. You know, you're basically doing something twice. You're breaking up the frost, grabbing your bucket, moving the frost, grabbing the breaker, breaking the frost, you know, so it's. Yeah. It takes a lot more time. And then it's, it's a lot, it's a little bit harder on the machines and obviously the cold, you got to get different grease and, you know, different fuel, number one fuel or number one off-road fuel is more expensive yeah. Number two, no shit like that. But yeah. And I guess in a perfect world, like, would your guys rather be laid off in the winter or would they rather work through the winter? Like how, what's the, is it kind of split down the middle? I think it's kind of split in the middle. I know some guys are like, don't fucking call me in the winter. Call yeah. me start back up full time. Other than that, I don't want to push snow. I don't want to dig in the winter, which, which that's fine. But then, you know, you make your money in the summer, put your hours in, in the summer so you can enjoy it in the winter, you know, cause unemployment, I mean, it's, it's good to have cause it helps keep income. Right. But you, it's hard to live off of. And people understand that really fast to where, even if you just get 40 hours a week, you're still way ahead of where you would be on unemployment. I gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I've always been fascinated with that because obviously construction, it's, it's very common mm -hmm. uh, with that, but a lot of businesses, you know, it's, it's not like a black and white type of situation. Usually like it's kind of a, a lot of times a gray area, especially if you're out in maybe a place that gets some snow, but not a ton of snow. And so you can kind of dig or should we do snow removal or both? And so I feel like the nice thing about being up in, you know, Fargo and Bismarck and up in North Dakota is that it's, it's pretty clear that it's not going to be sunshine and warm in January. Correct. Yeah. We know our seasons pretty well. Yeah. We eventually want to get to the point to where we're working April through November, right. And then December through February or whenever, you know, or March, you know, March is usually kind of that time people start coming back and getting things ready but they can yeah. take off, but yet their year end bonus, you know, will carry them through the winter plus some is where we want to be to where, and if we do have loaders, we'll sub them on with glacier and guys want to get some more hours. Perfect. Here you go. Call Jeremy and you know, he'll get you set up type thing. So. Yeah. Speaking of glacier and Jeremy, well, got to give the snow jobs guys a huge shout out. Um, 
if you guys don't know or haven't listened, I'm sure you have the snow jobs podcast. Um, they just crossed a hundred thousand downloads uh, and they, I think they started in February of this year. So a huge shout out to those guys. I mean, they are crushing it, but, um, Luke, I think to sustain it for that long, you can't just be lucky. I mean, you have to be providing value to your listeners. And so that's just a huge testament to them, but, um, word on the street is they might be coming back on the, on the show here. Might be coming on. Tis the season for a lot of companies and construction to start switching to the snow. So it'd be good to maybe get some advice from the industry experts. Yeah. And uh, so we we did have Jeremy on the Dirtbags podcast uh, maybe last year. I can't even remember when it was. And uh, he crushed it, did a great job, uh, but we have not had Steve on. So I think we're going to have them both on, have both the uh, the snow jobs guys, and uh, it'll be a good episode. Steve is, Steve is fun. Him, his contact in my phone is... Uh, catch these hands landscaping because I think his company is all hands landscaping. So it's catch these hands. (laughs) Yeah. He's just uh, Steve snow jobs in mind. So I I should have came up with something better than that, but uh, no, those guys are great. You know, we appreciate, you know, all their support and then vice versa. I know they're very appreciative of, you know, what what we do with them and uh, they're just great guys. So if you're not listening to them, uh, go listen to their show. It blends a lot in with what Luke and I do here at the dirt bags. And, um, uh, another thing really good advice just for people yeah. that are in our space that do snow removal they can they can really help your snow removal operation too with just you know bringing on these different guests that have done it that have gone through it you know so really really good wisdom yeah and even if you don't if you're not into snow a lot of times you get a lot of guys that listen uh that do snow but they're, obviously they're like an excavation company or a concrete company or they do something else in the spring summer and fall so uh, you can at least meet other people that way. And um, they do a ton of stuff, different meetups and things uh, similar to what we do at, at different shows. So. Yep. Absolutely. So go listen to the snow jobs, blow jobs podcast, the blow jobs. Um, yeah. Love that. We'll have to clip that and send it to them and use it as their commercial. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention, uh, if you guys have been listening, uh, we appreciate it, but um, the last a couple of the last times we had mentioned since we crossed 50 K we're going to start looking at bringing on um, some advertisers. And I was going to, you know, I was working up a post. I was going to figure out what to put out there. Uh, But before I could put anything out, we actually had three companies reach out to us that could be a really good fit. Um, So we will have some more info for you guys on that. But uh, one of them that's for sure locked in and we're excited about because it's actually one of our first questions um, is a company by the name of Lambert Insurance Services. Uh, so Sam Lambert, he owns the company. Uh, he's a dirtbag himself. He's been in the excavation industry. He listens to the show and basically he said, you know, I, I think this could be a good fit. Um, and Luke, I think that's always been a pain point for us because like Sam told me, he's like, nobody really wants to talk about insurance, but everyone needs it. Yeah. And I feel like that's one of the, one of the number one questions I get from people that listen is like, who do you use for insurance, like in construction? And we haven't really had a good answer. So we're excited to, um, you know, bring him on and like, you know, bring him to anyone listening and just see like how that whole relationship works. But uh, just having the support from him has been, has been awesome so far. Yeah. The insurance industry is tough because you think you could go to progressive and get business insurance and you're all good and dandy, but it goes a lot deeper than that. So anxious to finally get somebody that's in the space or knows the space and kind of knows the ins and outs and can speak your language. That'll help a lot as far as policy writing and underwriters and 
Yeah. So we're anxious to have him on. Yeah. And an example of that actually was um, one of our clients and a good friend of mine, uh, Tony Moritz out of Valley city. Um, He texted me the other day and had basically had a question about his insurance because uh, they're going like under a railroad or something like that. And so there's issues with his current insurance. And so he asked like, if, if we knew anyone and sure enough, I sent him to Sam and he's like, Oh yeah, we do a lot of work with like, you know, railroad specialized type insurance for boring companies and things like that. So I feel like you just don't get that as much when you call like the progressive hotline and sorry to shit on progressive so much, but, yeah, but um, just the easiest. yeah. And so I think it's really like, can you find somebody that you really want to work with and grow with that kind of knows your business. So uh, anyway, we're, we're going to have a couple more um, sponsors coming on. We're going to insert, you know, those ad reads for you guys. And then we're also going to kind of put them on our website just to make sure that you guys have access to them. Yep. Yep. So keep, keep your eye out for those and those should be coming online here soon. So hell yeah. Well, Luke, should we get to the point of what everybody is waiting for? Dude, I think so. You and I, Let's uh, let's get to a little Q and A here. So, all right. So we're gonna skip that first one um, with the insurance. So next one. Okay. What's oh? So this is from Tom. Tom yep. Flaherty. Uh, what's the best practice for leading and delegating when you know you can do it faster and better? I feel like when I saw this question come in, I knew it'd be perfect because there's so many people, including us that feel the same way. It's like, okay, well I can just do it faster and better. Why would I hire somebody else, take that drop in quality just to try and grow? So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a really good question, but it's, it's, you got to look at your bigger picture. Where do you want to go? Right. If you want to stay small and only have a couple guys underneath you, don't, don't delegate that out. You take those responsibilities on that, you know, that kind of you know, help support your name and support your brand. If you do want to grow, have them shadow you. Hey, you're going to ride with me today. Hey, we're going to do these. I'm going to show you step-by-step step of what I would do. Okay. Next one that comes in, I'm going to have you do it, but I'm going to be on the phone, right? You all, you have to, it, it's, you're molding that person to try to act like you would within the business, right? That's, that's why you pay people. That's, that's why you try to, you know, support your crew members is like, I want you to grow within the company, but the company is mine. So here's my expectation of it. And, you know, and just grow it that way. The, I don't think there's like a best practice because everybody's personalities are different. I mean, there's different learning types, there's visual, there's hearing, there's, you know, all sorts of different types. So I think it depends on the personality itself. And also the message that you try to get across while teaching, you know, do you, do you actually put the time in to try to help that person understand like what the importance of that thing is, or, you know, what the importance of doing this the right way is, you know, I think if those are communicated well and presented well, then you'll have no issues. You know, it might take two, three times, but then after those two to three times, your ROI for where you can be doing something else you know, you're, you're, you're going to be, you're going to start growing really fast once that gets implemented. Yeah. And I think, you know, the big question is like, do you want to grow? Like you mentioned, but do you want to grow and why? Because I've, I've talked to a couple guys where it's like, do you, they just want to be the biggest company out there. You know, they're, they're young and they just want to have this huge company with their name on a bunch of uh, equipment and trucks and everything. And okay. Like why, you know, let's dig into it a little bit more. And 
there's um, a lot more to it than that yeah and people don't see that like it's cool to have your name on something or a lot of machines whatever but there is a lot that goes into that so learn yeah. the process before you jump into it yep and just kind of figuring out yeah like do you want to grow and why and also uh this ties into you talking about eos that entrepreneurial operating system uh people are going to come and go no matter what it's just it's it's a fact Business. you're not, you're not going to have the same person working with you. Even if it's your right hand man, even if it's your office manager that you've had there forever, people are going to come and go. Yep. Um, and they should, you know, it's a lot of times it, it actually helps your business and it helps them as an individual. So you need, what you need to build is a business with systems that you can plug really anyone into and they can learn and adapt fast and they can learn and adapt and then put their, personality on it and be better than the other person that was in there. But, um, at the end of the day, like you need systems to come in because if you spend four years teaching somebody how to do the job, just the way you want to do it. And then that person leaves or passes away or you name it. I mean, there's so many things that could happen. How can you, you know, get the next person in quickly and just have them operate that same system. Um, so organization comes into it big time and just having a person be able to operate the system. That was, that was a little tough for me right away to grasp because I'm such a people person. I think I got to find the right people for the business, but it actually teaches you to be the opposite. Like you need to build the right system and then plug in the people that can, uh, that can run that system. hundred percent. Yeah, no, it'll be, it, it'd be a cool system to implement, but yeah, I think that's the best way to go about delegating you know where do you want to go check your vision okay when you get your vision i want 22 guys i want to be able to spend more time at home okay perfect here's what you got to do to implement that you know and then go from there so yeah and it's also like your vision can be wrong i, I think we don't talk about that enough I think where, it changes a lot too like when we talk about 10-year goals and stuff and five-year goals it's like i i try and keep mine at like a year um I do have a three-year goal, but I try and keep it at a year just because even in that time, it changes so much. So let's, let's hit the goal. Let's crush it, but let's reassess after that, because we may not want to go that extra $2 million more in revenue. Uh, we may want to stay where we're at because we're profitable. We're enjoying it. We're making a difference. Um, the balance seems to be right, but it's, it's really, yeah, just figuring out what you want to do and why, but, um, I, I love the chase of the uh, the business and it's like, we're young, we have people surrounding us, we're blessed, we're very, very blessed. Um, so why not like try and make a bigger impact and just do it in a, in a more positive way? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Good question, Tom. Yeah, great question. Um, let's jump to Mr. Jared Kepp for uh, Arrow Crushing. He will be at the Dirt World Summit um, and we will be there as well, so... Uh, hope to see you guys there. But Jared asks, what is the key to staying profitable while growing? When should a company grow aggressively and when should a business hold back growth? How do you know when to hire a PM or an office manager? So this actually kind of ties into the question we just answered. Um, I will take the first stab at it, Jared, but um, I, in my opinion, when you're trying to grow, you're going to be less profitable. And so essentially that's kind of what he's saying in the question. Um, so what can you sustain? And then 
making sure that there's still something left over and you're not burning cash. I think that can happen a lot, especially when it comes to marketing. Um, you just start burning cash on Google ads or you start burning cash on Facebook ads. And if you can't back it up with an equation of like why you're doing it of um, an ROI or you're investing into your brand presence or your brand equity, um, it's a lot tougher to, to just dive into it aggressively. So I think if you can show why you're trying to grow aggressively and also show the equation of like, it is working and this is where we're trying to get to so that we can cut it back. That would be ideal. But if Luke, have you ever read the book, uh, profit first? No, but I heard about it. I heard it's good. Yeah. So this book actually talks a lot about it. It's because everyone has the mindset of like, okay, I'm just going to grow now and then we'll cut back and then we'll have money. But it's just like you never get there and that never happens. So what it teaches you to do is like have your profit first, have that basically in a separate account. And then there's a whole system to it. Um, but then it teaches you to run on your your bare ass minimum to achieve the growth you want to achieve. So you don't have all this fluff spending uh, going out um, you know, every which way. So I think that's a really good way to do it because then you still have this profit account and you set the percentage of that profit and you can still do what you want with the profit after, uh, after it's all said and done. So you can take it home, you can invest it back into the business, but it's almost like an excuse when people say, oh, I'm just investing back in the business. I'm investing back in the business. But a lot of times it can just be like a crutch to never make money and make it out of your business. Yeah. I'm going to jump in because I, I kind of want to dissect that question because to me, there's like, there's like four different questions within the one, right? So first part, what is the key to staying profitable while growing? In my opinion, the key to staying profitable while growing is having excellent organization. Okay, because you can grow, but if you aren't organized, you're not going to be profitable. You can continue to grow and be very organized and you'll be profitable. Meaning, so say, you know, say you're a company of three, four guys, right? And you do Monday through Friday, whatever, working. And there's logistic things that you maybe figure out the night before, the day before, whatever. If you were to figure out what that week is going to look like on Monday, then you can maybe fill those gaps with other projects or, you know, you can find some of that free time for yourself to develop more business. And in turn, you're growing and creating more revenue and hopefully becoming more profitable, in my opinion. Just kind of a small tidbit of what I thought of instantly. Um, but growth is tough. I mean, it comes with a lot, comes with a lot, especially within the excavation industry or just the contracting industry. There's a lot of overhead. Um, retainage is there to fuck you. Um, payment terms are out the window right now. A lot of it is paid on, you know, paid upon paid. So the cards are stacked against you. I think it's just how, how you go about things, you know, kind of the zero fail mentality of, okay, Hey, payrolls this week. Who am I calling up to get a check? Okay. I built this, this is 30 days. And something that I've always abided by is the answer is always no, unless asked. Right. So where if you're waiting, you know, say it is payroll and you're waiting for a check to come in and nothing's coming in, get on the horn. Hey, is this available? Is this ready? Can I come pick this up? Right. Those are pains of the growth pattern, but it also helps you stay profitable as well to where you're not waiting on other people. You're taking action in your own hands. And then when should a company grow aggressively and when should a business hold back growth? 
opportunities. If there is a lot of opportunities around you and there's a lot of people looking for people in your space, that's, I think that was Cole and I's key to growth is because they can, you know, the biggest was we can never find earthwork guys. We can never find earthwork guys that are, you know, reasonable or, you know, they show up or, you know, just, just kind of the old school way of doing it. So it's a lot on timing, but if you can fill that gap and you can make your presence with just kind of like a shock, you, you will grow very fast and it'll be a growth that'll be hard to obtain and you'll have to adapt quickly, but you will grow on when to hold back. I always say to hold back when, you know, you're getting 10, 12 bids per project on general contractors, right? Yeah. Then I wouldn't try to grow. I would just try to sustain, you know, and we call it, we've only been in business for so long. So we've seen a lot of good and I know we're going to see some bad here eventually, you know, it, it's a roller coaster. So I think it's just preparing yourself for those bad times with the good and then it'll pick back up, hit the ground running. So that would be my answer to that question. And then how do you know when to hire a project manager or an office manager? Okay. Pick your poison on that one, right? Yeah. You as the business owner, are you, are you better in the office? Or are you better in the field? Are you better with daily operations or are you the one that is constantly invoicing, you know, making calls, sending emails, you know, what is your forte? If you are not an office person, hire an office person, because then you can be out in the field. You can still keep your schedule to where you're not working till one to two at night, sending emails or invoices or whatever, running on four hours of sleep. And then you can be that project manager. So, okay. And then flip that. If you're not a project manager, right. And you're hiring people that know more than you do be the office manager, you know, run the business behind the scenes and that'll give you more time as well. Yeah. I mean, they always say hire your, hire your weaknesses and yep. um, yeah, it's, it's a great question. And yeah, it's easier said than done, you know, because Jared wishes he could hire both, but you just not at that point. And so, yeah, like you said, you got to kind of pick one or the other. And also if you're a smaller business than what Jared has, you know, a lot of times you can't hire either because yeah. you you have to be that person, but um, you're just paying your tuition. You're learning how to do this stuff. And so that when you do bring somebody in, you can at least lead them in the right direction of how you like to see it done. And it goes into those systems, have the systems in place or have a process in place for them to follow. Yeah. Which I've learned sounds fancy and sounds really cool. And so I, I know I've had a couple people ask if we could dissect, like talk about like setting up systems and things. So um, I think that could be either a future podcast or, you know, a good place to start is that book um, traction. Cause it, that's all it talks about. Yep. A hundred percent. All right, you want to take the next one from Mr. Plow Guy Mike? Plow Guy Mike, let me pull it up here. There we go. This is gonna, this is gonna be a good one. Mr. Plow Guy Mike, Luke, where though? Okay, here they are. Um, okay. Uh, it's Brew Guy Mike as the Instagram handle. Plow Guy Mike here on my personal page. Good question to ask. How do you know when it's the right timing to branch out on your own or expand either year round work or scale your company to the next level? Background, I'm in Washington state and have my own winter business and work doing dirt work for a company in the summer. I also do contract wildland firework. I come from a background of heavy construction and have been around have been around and in all lanes of the business. Finding your guys' podcast has helped summer work and winter work. 
Oh, did I fucking? Oh, yeah, I skipped the line. Sorry. I'm getting texts and trying to read those at the same time. Finding your guys' podcast has helped me broaden my perspective on both my summer work and winter work. Construction work has a way of giving you a tunnel vision. Due to the constraint, the constant demands, I would love to hear some insight on other perspectives in the topic. I've been listening since day one. Never missed a podcast. Cheers, Mike Scarcella. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, well, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, But nice that he gave the whole scenario so you can kind of take a look through and, you know, at least give your opinion on, on, on what you think. So, um, branching out on your own or expanding, uh, I feel like we, we talk about that a lot. We hear about it a lot. Um, we were talking about it before we started recording, um, the pros and the cons about it, you know, uh, everyone can be a, a business owner in construction and that's, kind of a pro and a con because you can start just doing stuff on the sides on Saturdays. You can get your license. Um, it's a pretty low barrier to entry. And then I think the jump to going full-time um, is also met with a bridge of like uh, being a sub, you know, and like starting to get a little bit more under your work or under your feet and then kind of taking it all in in-house. And, and we talked about that as well. So curious to hear what you think he should do. Luke, um, you know, whether he should go full time or like what that path would look like from your point of view. I think that is, I mean, that's a tough question, right? Cause you got to look at where you're at financially. You got to look at the risks that you're willing to take. You got to look where you're at in life, right? If you, and this, this is me just saying it, but if, you know, take it for a grain of salt, but if you have a family and you have, say you have kids and you're comfortable where you're at, you know, in my opinion, I would want to make sure that they're comfortable. And to me, yeah. I don't think I would take that risk right away, right? Because yeah. I would not want to risk taking away something from my family. Now, on the flip end, if you don't have a family and it's just yourself and you don't have really anything holding you back, why would you not try? Yeah. You know, so you, what I would tell him is just to look where you're at, look where you are financially, look where you are as far as risk taking, and then make that decision. Yeah. And a big piece too is financially, um, you know, benefits are in there too. If he's getting health insurance and then, you know, maybe uh, his wife is planning on having another, they're planning on having another child in like eight months or something like, you know, is that coming out of pocket? So there's a lot of factors there to look at. And as you know, when you are a business owner and self-employed, you don't get any of those hard benefits um, as far as insurance and those kind of things. Like you pay for that out of pocket. So yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, you know, we get to talk to a lot of uh, young, motivated people that, you know, barely have like a significant other even, and they just have like a four wheeler to take care of and a truck. Yeah. And they're like, it's, and for them, it's like, yeah, absolutely. Like, why not why give it a not? go? You can do it on the side. You can kind of figure it out. Um, but it totally depends on your personal situation too. And I would agree. And I'm certainly more conservative where I would, for sure want to make sure we've got um, everything dialed in um, borderline paid for. And then it's like, yeah, let's give this thing a shot on the weekends or take a summer and try it then, you know, and, and do some things that way. But I wouldn't want to go headfirst into the unknown when things are going great with our financial situation. Correct. Yeah. So I think just taking that step back and, you know, looking where you want to be, where you want to go and, you know, that doesn't mean 
stop what you're doing. You know, maybe you can add more to your plate to try to fill that up. And when it becomes my decision maker was, okay, where am I going to lack, right? If I am not here, is it going to hurt? Or if I'm not here, is it going to hurt? You know, as in for a context of that, obviously sales, right? If I wasn't in, I couldn't take calls from customers with clients, right? But then if I'm not in the field, then I can't do the quality control. You know, so you gotta, you gotta give and take and you know, what's important to you and where do you want to go? Yeah, it's a good point. And just obviously, you know, if you are married, um, it's, it's not just one person's decision there. So Mm -hmm. making sure that the family's on board too. And the, the upside is a long ways away. Uh, I think of that when anyone wants to start a business, um, it's delayed gratification. Like it's, it's, it's far out there. And so if you're excited about that and you, you understand that and you want to just work towards that, uh, I think that's perfect. But if you want it now or you need it now, it's uh, definitely not the right move. I think a person, Mike, if you're listening to this, who to ask that question to would be John Van Z. Yes. Yeah. I think John would have some really good insight for you on that because I feel like he was in that same situation and, you know, what he did to get where he's at, you know, he could probably touch on that a little bit better than I could because I was young and dumb. I was an idiot and I didn't think about anything when I started. Thankfully it paid off, but there's, you know, there's a lot of things that could have happened too. So yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's JVZ enterprises. Um, they're him and his uh, wife, Morgan, they're awesome. And they, I feel like they seem to do everything right, you know, and they're, they're doing everything right. But, you know, even in talking to him, like they still have all the struggles that you and everyone else has. So, um, I agree, uh, reaching out to him, you can find him on Instagram. He's a great, great one to talk to, um, because him and Morgan made that decision together and they're riding with it together and they're, you know, working through all of that. So, um, yeah, very conscious decision. And like you said, not quite as young and dumb. As, yeah. And he's as got a family, you, you know, he, yeah, a hundred percent. I didn't even look at the fucking payment when I went and signed on my skid steer. I just went and signed. Cause I was like, fuck, I got approved. Hell yeah. Shouldn't have gotten approved, but whatever. Oh dude, that's the yeah. best. But yeah, good question, Mike. I love it. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, Luke, I wanted to ask you. I didn't even bring this up, but I know you had a conversation with, um, with another business owner uh, in construction, and basically talking about like when you're right on cash and payroll is coming up along with you're tight, like, or when you're tight. tight you, yeah. You had a little, little misspell there. I, I, I was probably in the heat of the moment typing it. Sorry, I'll, I'll start over. When you're tight on cash and payroll, when you're tight on cash and payroll is coming up along with equipment payments, what do you worry about first? Tell me about like that moment and like, that was I a, guess. A really good question. So yeah. it, a little backstory. This, this is a big company in our area. They do a lot of, a lot of underground and um, just, a, just a super nice guy. And I, I had been trying to get to lunch with him and, we finally made something work and we were talking about business and, you know, Luke, how are you guys doing? And you know, I've seen your stuff. It's super cool. And I'm like, that's great coming from you. But then we started really asking each other questions. And that was one that he asked me because I had asked him about like growth. I said, you know, when do you kind of look at growth and, you know, how do you decide to grow and what risk did you take? Kind of some of the questions that we got too, because, you know, there we're, we're in uncharted waters. I don't, you know, I don't have all the right answers to everything. We're just trying our best. 
Um, but he had some really cool insight and I had never thought of it this way, but the question he posed was Luke, when you're tight on cash, cause you're growing and you have payroll coming up, say your payroll 60 grand and you've got equipment payments to come up, which one's a burden. And I'm like, damn, I'm like, honestly, both of them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, yep. Yep. But which one do you worry about the most? I said, I, I would probably worry about the payroll mainly because I know that those guys need those paychecks, right? As far as the equipment, I said, if I don't make a payment, I'm going to get on the horn with Kevin and be like, Hey, you know, I couldn't make it. Can you give me a couple days and see what I could figure out? And he goes, Oh yeah. He goes, I asked that question a lot. And there's a lot of people that care more about the equipment than their guys. And he goes, and you can see that in the work. You can see that in their turnover, because if you don't care about your people, the equipment doesn't make you money, right? The equipment helps your employees make you money. And it was just, it was really cool. Like question that he posed and like just a whole new way of thinking because I, there's a lot of people, you know, people talk about payroll all the time, right? Oh, payroll's coming out this week. It's this much. Okay. But how much did you bill off that payroll? Right. Right. And if you're, if you're say it is 60 grand, right? What can you do better as the business owner to where it's not a burden, right? What are you doing within the business that is maybe hindering that or you know, are you spending too much on your credit card? Are you not being diligent on checking statements and making sure, you know, the charges on there or what they're supposed to, you know, whatever the case may be. So it, it all in all, he kind of summarized it is business is up to you, right? It is how you, it's how you go about it. It is how you treat it and it's how you respect it. And it was just, yeah, it's just a really cool conversation. Dude, that's awesome. I feel like that's a, a sense of extreme ownership as well of like, oh, yeah. hey, you're the business owner. You got to make sure your your company's profitable. That's not your employee's job. And nope. granted, you know, there's a lot of things that go on there, you gotta, but you got to relay that message, right? And everybody's yeah. got vision, but it is, it's on the business owner, right? It's, it's up to you. If, if you're laid on your bills, that's your problem, right? That's not your guy's problem. That's your problem. Right. So, yeah. And especially like you said too, with like, you know, that these guys need it on this day because yeah this is when they're supposed to get it. And this is when they, you know, feed their families and like pay their, their light bill and things like that. So uh, that makes sense. But when you hear that question come at you like that, you probably have never thought of it like that. No, no. And like I said, everybody, I don't want to say complains about payroll, but that is like the first thing people bring up almost in like a burden sense. Yeah. And it shouldn't be treated that way, but I get it. Cause it is a very large lump sum that comes out, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta alter your thinking. It was, was, probably my biggest takeaway from that question or conversation with them. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I know when you texted me that I was like, that sounds like an incredible conversation. You could tell it like really got you thinking. Oh yeah. It was, it was a deep conversation and it was, it was just fun. I mean, the guy's been in the industry for, you know, his, his dad, his grandpa owned it. So it's been in the family for so long. And it's just fun to hear that wisdom to somebody that has probably seen most of the things that could go wrong and like the yeah. Wrong things and yeah. So it's, it's fun to get that type of um, just type of conversation. Yeah. And also, yeah. Somebody that's been in the industry for more than, you know, like has owned the business. I mean, it's generations we're talking about. This isn't even like a few years. This is generations yeah. of, mm-hmm. of ownership and it's had to make tons and tons of changes and, uh, economy disasters and you name it. I mean, so they, they've probably seen it all, but, uh, yeah, I think it's really cool because, you know, it just shows you too, like, don't just take advice from 
um, from the young people. Don't just take advice from the older people who've been in the industry. It's like, you got to kind of filter out everything and like mix in uh, everyone's experience because I think you can always learn something from everybody, but you can't take in everything. And there's lessons to be learned everywhere. If you, the big thing is dropping your ego and understanding like, hey, I don't know everything. I can learn a lot from this said person or this company or how they did this and knowledge is power in today's world. So that's my advice. There we go. I think, uh, I think that was a great finish actually to our Q and a session here. Uh, any last words before we actually get to record our rant tonight? Thank you guys for listening. Sorry. It's been a while and sorry for my technical difficulties on the internet. Thanks for being patient. Uh, Dirtbags university. October 16th, sign up. Again, Luke, you recap that, but Zach's going to kind of dive into a lot of the stuff as far as branding. And Luke, you're going to get with us on the SEO and Google side of things. And I'm just going to sit there and drink. So we'll see you guys there. It's going to be a good time. Make sure you guys have a uh, full glasses, notepad, pen, and uh, it's going to be fun. So we'll see you there October 16th. And then like we mentioned, Luke and I will both be at the Dirt World Summit uh, in Houston. That's October 25th through the 27th. Uh, if you're going, let us know. It'd be fun to uh, get together and get a drink. So, Absolutely. Drinks on Luke. All right. Drinks on Luke. Like it.